Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here with you today. Thank you uh, for uh, just being good to one another and uh, good to your mothers today, I trust. Um, today's lesson is on the love of God. And thank you for that uh, song you just led. Solomon is perfect for uh, going into uh, the topic for this morning. We are imperfect creations, and yet God himself is perfect. Have you ever wondered why God created us the way that we are? Have you ever wondered why he didn't just make us perfect? Why didn't he just make us incapable of sin? And so then we could have remained in the garden, multiplied and lived as a perfect race. My answer to that is that we would not be people in that state. We would be robots without any thoughts, intellect, or decisions of our own. I believe that when God created us, he wanted to love us and to be loved by us. In order to experience that, he had to give us the ability of choice. The ability to choose is a key ingredient in expressing love. A robot can't love because it can only do what it is programmed to do. Even a human who is forced to do things can't adequately express love in their actions. Some believe that God created us and designed everything that has happened and will happen, so that mankind has no choice in the matter. But if this were true, then why would God regret creating us? God was ready to destroy mankind because he gave us free will and we made terrible choices. In Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, the Bible reads, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out, blot out man whom I created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Because God loved Noah and his deeds, God decided not to destroy him and his family. God also changed his mind concerning Nineveh when Jonah preached to them. In Jonah chapter 3 verses 5 through 10 it reads, Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the ashes. He issued a proclamation, and it said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. But both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth, and let men call on God earnestly, that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them. He did not do it. God changed his mind because of the actions of the people, not because of some pre-programming that he had done. True love is expressed when someone does something to show affection when they have a clear choice to do otherwise. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, we read, 
But God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God could punish us for what we do, but he's given us a way of escape punishment because he loves us. But why would God create us when he knew we would be imperfect? You know, uh, that's a question I've had for a, a long time. Just thinking about the way men are, the way women are, the way people are. Uh, why would God create us? Why would he want to create a creation that's not perfect? And it occurred to me, and I shared this with the high school class uh, one time. I think Jonathan Castillo was in there, so he may remember this. But I asked, uh, I was asked that question by the class, and I answered them. Um, I, I answered them with the question. I asked them, how many of you have caused trouble for your parents? And all of them raised their hand. Then I said, okay, now let me ask you, how many of you want to have children? And all of them raised their hand. And I said, since you know that children cause trouble for their parents, then why do you still want to have children? And you know, I think that that's our answer. We're created in the image of God. And there, so there should be no surprise that we too desire offspring as our heavenly father does. Malachi verse, I'm sorry, Malachi chapter two, verse 15 reads, has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. So be on your guard. Do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. God, I believe, wants children. He values children, but he values children that have a choice. That's the only way that we can really feel love is when someone chooses to do good toward you, when someone chooses to be affectionate toward you. And so as God desires offspring, it makes sense that we would too. And it, uh, it stands to reason also that we wouldn't expect for our offspring to be perfect. You know, I have a family and, um, uh, a lot of people, when they think of my family, they think of me, they think of Marie, they think of Nicholas, they think of Renee, and they think of Jay. But I actually have a family that extends beyond that. Now, that, that's my spiritual family, of course, but I'm also thinking of, of others who I uh, consider children of mine. And two of them, I believe, are here with us today, and that's Heron and Zora. Heron and Zora were uh, kids of uh, some uh, people that we worshipped with in San Francisco. And uh, these kids needed, they lived right down the street from us, and they needed a ride uh, some days. And so Marie and I started picking these kids up and, and bringing them to, to church with us. And um, and so, you know, for a little while there, they were just the kids that we were given a ride to. But as we got to know them, uh, we began to love them. We got to know them and have affection toward them. We began to love them. And they became part of our family. We didn't have Nicholas until uh, we had been married for nine years. But during that span, we had other kids, and it was those kids down the street. And uh, we loved them uh, like our own. Uh, we had some very hard times with them. Uh, we had uh, some trouble that, that came about uh, by having them around us and trying our best to care for them. But it was worth it. And I look back on it, and I wouldn't trade those years for anything. Um, they are my kids, and I, I truly feel that way. And so... Some people may ask, though, you know, why did we stick with them for so long? There was nothing keeping us from just saying, you know what, I'm done. <laughs> I'm just going to uh, move on with, with Marie and I. And when we have our own our own kids, um, then, you know, we'll go from there. But we didn't. And, and those kids, those kids are still in our hearts. Um, 
And some may claim that the only true blood family is Marie and I and the child that we had through natural birth, Nicholas. But we do have two other children who have legally adopted who are just as much my children as Nicholas. And even beyond that, the Delaides are just my children as those other three. I can't explain it beyond telling you that we have love for them all. And that's what gives us the relationship that we have. I know that I caused trouble for my parents and my mother still claims me. And I will claim the Delaides. I'll claim Nicholas. I'll claim Jay. I'll claim Renee. But when you think about it, you know, as far as blood goes, uh, some people would say that, that just the three of us are the blood-related family. But Marie and I are not blood-related. You know, have you ever thought about that? A lot of people would consider the, the father and the mother the foundation of a family. But the mother and father aren't blood-related. Well, in, in most cases, let's put it that way, they aren't blood-related. They shouldn't be blood-related. And Marie and I are not blood-related, but each of us independently are blood-related to Nicholas. But none of the rest of us are blood-related. We're related through love. We're related through commitment. Marie and I, when we made our marriage vows, we made a commitment to one another. And that's a strong relationship. That's a relationship that means something. And so um, I encourage those who have been adopted, don't discount the relationship that you have with your parents. It should be as close as any blood relationship. As a matter of fact, there are a lot of blood relationships where, where the families are at war with each other or they treat strangers even better than their own blood family. But we're blessed to have a, a close, tight-knit family that's related through the only blood that counts. What's truly special about what Marie and I have and all of our children is a blood relationship that's immeasurable in value, and that's through the blood of Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 3 through 14. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. And in these verses I've read so far, we read about how we draw close through Jesus Christ, how God chose us, predestined those for adoption. And there's that word, adoption. You know, not, not natural birth, but, but through adoption, we're drawn together as a family in Jesus Christ. I'll continue to read from verse 9. He made, us known to, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, 
after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to, to the praise of his glory. This is the only blood that truly makes my family special. When I think of uh, the relationship that I've had um, with those who I mention, those who I consider my children, um, you know, I can think of some good times that we've had together. I can think of uh, different times that you know we've we've done things together, or, or you know we've we've uh, had fun together. Uh, we've hung out and we've uh, enjoyed each other's company and fellowship. But the times that I treasure the most are when I've seen these children be baptized, or I, I've known of it. I I wasn't present in the case of Heron, but uh, but I knew about it, and that brought me joy. But uh, just knowing that we all have these blessings that were just outlined in the verses that I mentioned, that we all have hope, eternal hope, through Jesus Christ. That means that it's not just the experience that we're having together here on the earth that's going to matter, but our relationship will go beyond that. Our relationship will extend through eternity because of what we have in Jesus Christ. And that means everything. All other earthly relationships are going to end. There will be no ma marriage in heaven. There will be no uh, father, son, except for uh, us being the children of our God. But none of what we're experiencing now will matter. And so, though we may value our family here on earth, we should value our spiritual family more. And I value the fact that I have both in, in my children, that I have a, a wonderful relationship with my wife who understands that we should have a spiritual focus. And I have children that I, I hope have learned that from Marie and I by observing us, that, that God should be first in our lives, that um, spiritual things should be first in our lives, and worldly things can be sacrificed if it's going to benefit us in a spiritual way. But the blood of Christ and the way it washes away our sins, the way that we're able to be forgiven through that, the value of that is immeasurable. And I love how Ephesians uses that word about the power of Christ and the healing power of his blood, that it is of immeasurable value. It's the only thing that's going to be lasting. It's the only thing that's going to lead to life for us beyond this world. And so that's the family that we need to concentrate on. That's the family that's of true value. We are adopted by God through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are blessed because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We have an inheritance because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are forgiven of our sins because of the blood of Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 reads, But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. That is a gift uh, beyond measure. That is a gift that God freely extends to us. And as imperfect as we are, he loves us. And that's why he extends his mercy to us. That's why he extends his grace to us, because he loves us. And though some of us uh, have not chosen to return that love and obedience to him, he still extends that gift for all who at any time, while you live on this earth, if you obey that, he extends that gift to you. God doesn't expect us to be perfect. God loves us, and so he made a way for us to be perfect through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. 
This way, our imperfections do not separate us from God if we accept his solution. First, God wants us to humble ourselves before him. James chapter 4, verse 10 reads, Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you, or he will lift you up. He'll lift us up because of his love, and because of his love, we will be made perfect. As a parent wants to help their child during times of trouble, so God wants to help us in our condition of weakness. We have to come to him. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10 read, Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong." When we bow before God and acknowledge our weaknesses, He will make us strong. Through His love, He has made a way for us to be lifted up. You know, we can doubt ourselves. We can think we aren't good enough for God. And we can wonder why He made us the way that He did. But the way that He made us allows us to express ourselves toward Him, to understand that we need Him, to realize our weaknesses and to, weaken our, to realize our weaknesses and humble ourselves before the Lord, to come to him for help. You know, um, all of my kids have come to me for help in different ways, and I've been happy to help them. You know, uh, I know that sometimes they'll say, you know, well, we don't want to bother you, or we don't want to put you out of your way, but I want to do that. Marie wants to do that because we love our kids. We want to be there for them. And so I can understand how God feels, how he must feel toward us that he likes it when we call out to him, that he enjoys it when we humble ourselves and realize our, that we are weak and that we need his strength to uh, get through, to, to make it through this life and then to live a life, an eternal life beyond this world. John 3.16 reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The gift of Jesus Christ, Jesus living his life, living a perfect life, and then being willing to sacrifice that life for us is a gift from God because he loves us, because he wants us to have eternal life, because he wants us to have something that we don't deserve. He loves us that much. We have to think about that. We have to know how much he loves us and understand it. We have to respond to that. We should respond to it because there's nothing but good in it for us. It's not that we have to give up something that's more valuable than what we're going to get. We're going to get something that will make us forget about any treasure that we could have on this life. Let God know that he is needed in your life. He's already shown his love for you by making a way for you to overcome sins. Won't you respond in obedience to him? Jesus says this in John chapter 14, verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him 
and will disclose myself to him. I just want to break down this verse and then we'll have our lesson for today. He who, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. So the one who loves Jesus is the one who has his commandments. And we could find those commandments in the Bible, in God's word. And whoever keeps them also loves Jesus Christ. So the one who reads the Bible and keeps those words, keeps the commandments that Jesus gives us that God gives us through his word. The next part reads, and he who loves me will be loved by my father. So if we love Jesus, if we keep those commandments and we love Jesus, we demonstrate that love through our obedience to those commandments, we will be loved by God. We will be loved by the father. And the last part, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. So Jesus will love us and will reveal himself to us. He will be with us. He'll guide us. We'll look at his life and we'll learn how to live. We'll look at his commands and we'll learn how to live. And we'll look at the example of those who followed him and we'll know how to live. God has given us all those things. He's given us directions. He's given us instructions. And most of all, he's given us love through Jesus Christ so that we might have hope in a life to come. I hope uh, if you've been studying that you understand what you need to do in order to be saved, that you'll take those steps of uh, hearing the word and believing it, of uh, repenting and confessing Jesus Christ, of then being baptized and then being raised in newness of life, to walk a life that's uh, obedient to the Father so that when this life is done, we can be found favorable in the sight of God, but only through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're ready to take those steps, please contact us. You can contact us if, if you don't know any of us personally, you can contact us through uh, our website, truthseekers.org, truthseekers.org. Up at the top of the page, you can contact us and send us a note and we'll get in touch with you and uh, sit down and study a little bit more and see if you're ready to be baptized. Um, if you are ready and you know us, contact us, let us know, and uh, we will make an exception because this is an essential service. If ever there was an essential service, it's to be baptized into Jesus Christ so that your sins can be forgiven. And so some of us will meet you down in the building and, uh, and baptize you. Also, if you have prayers, let it be known, and we'll make sure that we add you to our prayers, and, uh, and we'll uh, pray for you uh, for whatever you need. Thank you. That's the lesson for today.